Ditch the fairy tale, princess. It's time to step outside the status quo and blaze your own trail. The path littered with setbacks, successes, and newfound passions. Why? Because when you break away from the script, you start to pursue a life by choice. One that is all yours. Live unscripted and rewrite your life. Welcome back to the show, my friends. I'm so happy you are here. It really, truly means the world to me that you tune into this podcast and tell me what you think. Today's juicy episode was so good. Justin and I sat down and really dove into some maybe slightly taboo topics. Yeah, we were talking all about your finances. Justin is the founder, owner, and CEO of Journey to Financial Freedom, JFF. JFF is a financial coaching company for entrepreneurs looking to take control of their finances and scale their business to unimaginable levels in the process. Justin has scaled JFF to a seven-figure company in only two years and is extremely passionate about helping other entrepreneurs do the same through his financial and business strategies and expertise. We talked a lot about money, business, spirituality and God, self-help and personal development. I think this conversation really opened my eyes to what I wasn't paying attention to. And you'll hear me kind of come out a little bit throughout the episode. And it really was me becoming aware that I had been not paying attention to my finances as much as I would like to be. And it really reaffirmed that I still have some issues around my money mindset. And it reaffirmed that I need to be paying more attention to where I'm going versus where I currently am. And I think the framework that Justin and I dove into, which is his program, uh, kind of helped shed some light on ways that his company can help take you from where you're at to where you want to go. And I love the tough love approach at the end that he kind of shared around, you know, whatever got you in the situation you're currently in may or may not be your own fault. But what you do from this point forward, after listening to this episode in particular, is up to you. And until we decide that we want something different, until we decide that we are the ones responsible for our livelihood, only then will we be able to make some changes. And I know you listening to the show want more for your life. Otherwise, you wouldn't listen to positive propaganda like this podcast. And I know it's true for me that when I'm seeking that outside inspiration or motivation, I tune into podcasts and I look to see what's possible. And a lot of times it leaves me feeling less than if somebody has something that I want, right? And I don't maybe know how to get there. Or I think things like, oh, must be nice. Or they probably had some help. Or I hear the story of this young man, Justin, being able to create this seven-figure business in under two years. It's, it's one of those stories where I, I sat across the screen from him and really just was in student mode. And I was in, okay, Jess, if nothing changes, nothing changes. What are you going to do? You want to scale your business. You want to scale your life to new levels and you've never been there. So wouldn't it be smart if you had some framework and some help around reframing the beliefs that you currently have? Because the beliefs I currently have are clearly what are shaping my behaviors. And we talked a ton about how your behaviors are a direct reflection of your beliefs. And we dove down into this and you're going to just love this episode. So before I give it all away, be sure to stay throughout the episode, create some time in your day to really listen to this podcast and be present because we got into it. It was good. It was juicy. You're going to love it. But we also shared, you know, 
why I started the podcast and why for me helping just one person like Justin is so valuable and so my mission-driven vision right now. And so I hope that if this is something that slightly triggers you or gets you a little bit curious, that you lean into it and that you go and you seek the knowledge that you wish to have. But with that knowledge, we have the power, the power to make different choices, the power to take the responsibility of our life, all the things. And I know this to be true for myself. And I want that so much for you. And you know, this podcast is never a look at me. It's a come with me podcast. And I am still figuring shit out. And that is why I want to do it with you. And why I pull back the curtain and maybe overshare a little bit, but I never consider it oversharing because if I'm going through it, somebody else might also be too. Maybe it's you in the season of life that you're in. So I say all that to just remind you that some of the work is harder. Some of the work will require some trust on your end and a different version of you to show up, but that's okay. We, we don't know it until we get there, the things we need to do. And I think this episode is going to touch you in a lot of ways and I really, really hope you enjoy it. So let's dive in. Welcome back to the show. I'm very excited today to bring you today's guest because it's something that we all like to shy away from talking about. But if you are an entrepreneur, if you are in any sort of service-based industry, if you are in the likeliness of making money and keeping some of it to plan for your financial future, this episode is going to give you so many tangible takeaways. It's going to give you something to lean into. It's also going to give you something to join if you know that you have been struggling in this arena. And let's take some taboo out of the topic of talking about money, because honestly, at the end of the day, it's what makes the world go around and what it's what makes your life just a little bit easier. So Justin, welcome to the show. I think that was a beautiful intro for so many reasons, um, and I'm excited to pour into the group here today. And one thing I like to do, because you mentioned the word taboo, and you also mentioned we all love to shy away from money, which in most instances, there's no, you're not doing anything in natural, like avoiding money and thinking it's taboo is like as natural as the wind blowing, right? Effective, a different conversation, right? And so point being is I love to start with like maybe like two quotes or examples that help kind of like set the stage to open people up to why we should talk about this and why money is a beautiful topic. And, you know, the first thing I say all the time is I think people have misconstrued the Bible verse, whether we believe, whatever, whatever we believe in or not, the verse that money is the root of all evil comes from the Bible verse that people forget part of it. They leave the most important part of it out, which it says the love of money is the root of all evil. Because if we love something, we worship it, right? And if you worship money, you can't worship anything else, right? And no matter what we believe in, whatever higher power is, that's what we want to worship. That's where our foundation should be because our higher power won't go away. But money will. Money, if you got stripped of money right now and you love and worship money, you are left with nothing, right? And so I think that's where a lot of the taboo-ness and negative conceptions around money comes from is that misconstrued topic. So remember, it's money's not the root of all evil. Money is a piece of paper or a piece of plastic. Where money goes wrong is the human being behind it misusing or abusing it. And that's where we come into play to try to correct that. And the second thing here is to kind of build off of that is, I think I said this to you before, Jess, we we're talking about the show, but I always tell people, imagine money is like a hammer, right? A tool, right? A resource, not a God, right? Not something to worship, it's a tool. And it's a beautiful one if used correctly, right? But a hammer can either build a village or it can tear down a village. Two completely different outcomes, but that outcome is dictated by the human being behind it operating it, right? Money is a beautiful tool, but a terrible God. And I hope to talk about some of those things here today. So I appreciate you 
you having me despite that beautiful internet glitch I had in the beginning. <laughs> I apologize for the awkward pause, but uh, I'm excited for today and you're a great human being and I can already feel the safe space to talk about this. Mm, and that's truly what I try to create on the show is just a safe space to talk about a lot of things that we don't give enough time to. And honestly, at the end of the day, I love everything that you said. You know, I was raised Catholic and I was raised with a lot of um, beliefs around money that I didn't even know that I had until I got older and I started making money. And then the inability to keep the money that I made was more the issue than making the money. Making money was always easy for me. It still is to this day. It's still the perception around keeping it, therefore being able to build wealth and being able to like do all of these things we want to do with money. Because I did grow up hearing things like money doesn't grow on trees. We don't have money for that. And, and we didn't. It was the facts, but it was in the way that, you know, my, my mom was not, she was young. She didn't know she was doing the best she could with what she had. So I know a lot of us have these beliefs stored in our body, stored in our subconscious that we don't even realize that we have. We think, oh, this is just the cards we were dealt. This is just who I am. That was my favorite line for years. Like, ah, this is just who I am. Um, at the end of the day, if we want something different, and if you are listening to this podcast, you are someone who has a growth mindset. You are someone who is open to conversation around how things can be easier, more fun, better. Um, and just creating a more fulfilling life is like my whole goal with all of the work I put into this podcast. And so I'm so grateful that you found me and that we were connected and we have mutual friends who help teach to things like this. And, you know, you being the founder and owner of your company, I, I want to hear like the backstory because you didn't start out here. So give us some context to why this is something you're so passionate about and why you created a whole ass business around it. Great question. Uh, good thing we got a little bit of time here. <laughs> so um, I love the topic around beliefs around money. And so I didn't come from money, right? And I actually had a very interesting upbringing where my parents made over six figures combined. But by the time that I was 10 years old, they filed for bankruptcy for the second time. And because of that, we lost our house, both cars, they got a divorce, right? And even down to the point, people may have heard me say this before, but I literally had to give my dog away, Jess, because the two places that they were moving to, they were now renting instead of owning, right? They didn't allow pets. And so as a, at a young age, I lost everything because of money. And I always tell people, I remember literally sitting there when I was 10 years old, getting this news and making a promise to myself that one day when I can control money, I'll never have to worry about it ever again. Right. And then as I got older, I was like, well, I kind of, why stop it myself? You know, when I try to help as many people as I possibly can, um, avoid a whole bunch of unnecessary stresses and anxieties and a massive amount of missed opportunities in life that come from not having your money in order. Right. And then I saw myself. So we teach this thing called a financial behavioral cycle, where basically we start off with indirect experiences. I remember I was listening to one of your other episodes um, and the woman, I can't remember her name right now, but she was so brilliant. And she talked about the majority of our beliefs are solidified between age zero and eight. So if you think about that standpoint, we didn't have our own money between zero and eight. So we had indirect experiences that we saw our parents engage in, our friends engage, our friends' families engage in, our relatives engage in, or even like the entertainment world. Like I grew up in the era where like rappers were like rocking jerseys backwards and talking about money in a way that maybe wasn't the best, but I looked up to it. And even in movies too as well. And so all of those indirect experiences then molded our judgment and our reality around money that led to when now we have our own money in our hands, of course we're gonna act in a suboptimal manner. Like like I said earlier, that shit's as natural as the wind blowing, right? What else 
what else do you expect? That's all you saw. And then 95% of this country is financially illiterate. So if someone even did try to teach you directly, they probably fell into that bucket, right? And so now you have your own money to create your own experiences off of them. What happened with me is when I turned 18 years old, I was given a settlement for $80,000 from getting hit by a car when I was 13 years old. Jess, this money was put into my account. My parents couldn't tell me what to do with it. It was my money and it got bad. I was 18 years old. I'm originally from upstate New York and I moved six hours away to Maryland to go to college. $80,000 in my bank account. The first thing I did was I went and bought an Audi A4 that I had no business driving. I put black rims on it, put the tin on it. Everyone thought I was the man at college and I blew that money in two years, right? And so that then led to, before I started this, I worked at Johns Hopkins Medicine for a while. It's one of the biggest medical institutions in the world. And my first job was at the main big house hospital, downtown Baltimore. And they had no business hiring me for this position, but it had been open for like two years. I had a master's degree, no experience, had really good mentors that wrote me good letters of recommendation. And they gave me a chance at a job I shouldn't have been. And I was a liability, not an asset. The point is, is I was given a large salary and I finally said to myself, okay, I'm only going to make more as I get older. I don't want to be the person making a lot of money, seeing no money. I don't want to be the person making $5,000 a month, spending $6,000 a month with a whole bunch of bad debt. Right? And so I finally decided to make change and in 23 years old, started to implement these practices and these strategies that I was learning. I was working at Johns Hopkins Medicine as an administrator on the back end of the hospital, running the hospital from a business standpoint. And I had like $7 million all the way up to like $250 million in financial responsibilities until I left and started this company. And so I was learning skills. I then started to implement in my personal life, started to see some great results and kind of one thing led to another, which I'm sure we'll get into, but that's kind of my, my background there. I just realized that money tore my family apart, right? It didn't have to be that way. Money is the number one reason for divorce in the United States by a landslide where infidelity is the second, right? And so then I started getting results in my own life from things that I was learning. Why hold it to myself? Let's get out there and teach it. So good. I'd love, thank you for that backstory because I think so many people listening could probably find themselves at any point of that story. And the more I keep hearing how we develop our, our base foundation for our thought process, our beliefs between zero and eight, I recently in breathwork have come to tap into that age again. Um, I remember times from that, but I don't, I didn't speci- I think I blocked so much of it out. I specifically couldn't remember like what you were saying. I mean, obviously your parents getting divorced, moving, that would have been very, I wouldn't have forgot that. But um, I think it was the opposite for me. My mom worked nonstop. And so for me, it was like, if you are going to be successful, you're never going to see your children. You're going to be working all the time. Um, so it was a, a similar trauma in a way, but also it, it pushed me to the point where now as I'm rebuilding in this new entrepreneur phase, not behind the chair anymore, I'm finding that being a block that the more I work, the less I'm going to spend time with my son. And so even now at 42, that was a learned behavior, a learned bias based off of what I saw. So it's a continuous process of like, as you level up, different shit will come up. I'm I'm sure the same has happened for you. Was there any blocks or struggles that you had personally when you left your safe corporate job and moved into entrepreneurship? Because I know a lot of people whether it's from one type of entrepreneurship, like maybe the beauty industry or a service-based industry, them wanting to become a full-fledged entrepreneur in another avenue, maybe having the expertise, also having the skill set, but that comes with, I know a lot of 
blocks and resistance, limiting beliefs. So I'm always curious, were there struggles or limiting beliefs or blocks that came up when you were starting your business? Yeah, uh, actually, I, I think I think plenty. And, you know, most ones we commonly find that like, it's like the money blocks and beliefs. But thankfully, at that point, a big reason, I'm going to get to your answer, but I'll get to your question. But a big reason why it was a successful transition, and I also had limiting beliefs, but was a successful transition was because we had managed our money so well for years that like when I left my day job, I left six figures behind, but we had enough money stored up that like I didn't have to make a single dollar for 18 months, right? And so it was really easy for me from a financial standpoint, even though people thought it was crazy, which that was a limiting belief that I'll get into, right? I was like, why? Like what? I'm making more in a month with this side hustle for coaching, have 18 months of reserves. And if I go back, or, and if I needed to, I could always go back. No one's going to take an MBA away from me in five years of Johns Hopkins experience, right? I could easily go back and make the same amount I'm making now. So for me, it was like the only risk that I'm taking is by staying, right? And so, but breaking away from that middle class mindset though. And so socioeconomic status and politics don't recognize this other facet of class that I talk about, which I talk about world class, right? So there's lower class, middle class, and then upper class. But I say that the upper class has another facet called world class. Upper class and world class make the same amount of money. The difference is how they utilize that money in the human being that they are, right? And so to work there, you have to work through what I call middle class mindset, right? And so for me, the middle class mindset was being imposed on me by other people, right? And I heard you in one of your past podcasts basically say, good is the enemy of great. Like I was like, I have a good situation here. I'm making six figures. They're going to basically probably make me the vice president here in a couple of years. I get to wear a suit every day to work and I'm meeting with executives in my high twenties and people are telling me I'm great. I'm working for one of the best businesses, not even hospitals in the entire world. Right. And so that was the limiting belief I had to work. It was like, well, I mean, I'm doing okay right now. Why go out and try to go after more? Right. But what I found is that most people in that situation, you're trying to convince yourself that you love your situation to avoid the risk and the effort that it's going to take to leave it and grow. Right. And so I have a buddy who's a mortgage lender. I absolutely love him. He makes like fifteen dollars to $20,000 a month. And he has so much potential to go into the coaching space. And he's starting to realize that. And I said, why are you still at your day job? You've got, you got like six years of money stored up, X, Y, and Z. And he's like, because I love it. And I literally called him out. I was like, no, you don't. And he was like, yeah, you're right. Excuse my language. He goes, yeah, you're right. I fucking hate it. Right. And it's because we're just trying to convince ourselves that our good or decent situation, right, is enough. It's enough. But if you wait, like if my, if I love my job so much, if it was enough, I wouldn't dread my alarm going off. It, right. I wouldn't cringe when I hit a work call. Right. If I, if truthfully the situation I was in was enough. And so that was a limiting belief that I hit. Well, like I got a good situation. Why shake that up? And now looking back, if I didn't take that chance, I wouldn't have impacted thousands of lives, made millions of dollars, and by, been financially free by the age 29 with my wife and I now having what you call, and I love that you see, or say this all the time, living life on our own terms, right? And it is impossible to live your life on your own terms if you don't have your money under control. So true. So many good points there. And I think it's interesting because there are so many people who have convinced themselves that their current situation is great, right? It's like this repetitive ticker tape that they have to say to themselves so they can say it out loud in order to feel 
good enough to stay where they're at, right? Because my friend Lori Harder always says, you know, we're okay to eat the same shit sandwich because we already know what it tastes like. We, we don't want to go like <laughs> a different one. It's so literal for me. Like it's like I'm such a literal person and I have this, the best imagination. It's terrible, but it's true. And so many people, as I was trying to exit gracefully from the industry behind the chair, were like, oh my God, you're going to miss it. You're so amazing. And so the accolades and the quick wins that I would receive by giving people what they wanted by way of hair, right? Hair or makeup or whatever it was, was so fulfilling because my clients were so happy. Everybody was so happy. Everybody left happy. It's much different than the coaching space, right? Not every coaching call ends with someone being like, oh, I look so beautiful. Thanks. See you next time. It's, it's different. And so I had to undo the quick wins that I was used to receiving in order to sustain me and go for a long-term, um, hopefully residual effect based on my coaching and teaching that I had if I was to take out the hair portion that I was having with my clients behind the chair. The conversations, the experience, the, the depth that we were able to go because people already knew, liked, and trusted me because they'd known me for X amount of years. So I took a skill set that I was deathly afraid wouldn't convert into the outside world and let something go that was making six figures plus on repeat, like without any effort whatsoever. I literally could show up. It was almost my place to go and turn my brain off because I'd been doing it for so long. But what I realized was not only did I not love it the way I wanted, if you are a creative like that, and it's, it's, it, it, it is a disservice to your clients that they're not getting the best version of you. So I started to realize like, it's not just about me anymore. And I took the ego out of it. And I was like, as easy as this is, is it what you're meant to be doing now? Right? Because at 17 years old, deciding to be a hairdresser is not who I am at 42. So it's okay to let things go that are still quote unquote working in your life. And so that was the part for me that I felt a lot of guilt and shame. And am I going to regret this? And it is difficult to walk back into a client based business if you leave it, because that clientele might not be there. If you try to go back, it's not like a corporate job. And I didn't have an MBA to stand on. So I know a lot of people listening to this podcast are in the beauty industry and feel they've put so much time in, they've put their reps in, like there's absolutely no way that they could ever walk away from what they've built, the clientele, the money, whatever it might be. And so also in that, I think a lot of people, what you said, something about the the middle-class mindset um, I think we got to dig into that just a little bit because I feel like it's a little triggering, I would imagine, to some. Um, I would say I related to that uh, for a really long time. And what I was making was so much better than what I grew up being around. And so there was a lot of guilt and shame for wanting more. And I think a lot of people struggle with that internally and don't talk about it because they've learned to just practice gratefulness and practice, you know, um, being really appreciative for what they have versus wanting more, right? So somewhere along those same lines in the Bible around money is the root of all evil, it's the root of all evil to want more than you quote unquote maybe need or, and who determines what we need personally, right? So we can travel down the, the limiting beliefs mindset shit all day long. I feel like if you listen to the show, um, you know that me bringing someone like Justin in today to talk about this is strictly because A, we want to have more context around being able to have these conversations, but B, the fact that he's provided this amazing safe platform um, to help you learn more about what you could be doing in order to set yourself up for financial freedom, whatever that means to you. So can you share with us what that framework and what that that program kind of looks like? Because I'm super interested to hear how you were able to kind of put that together. Absolutely. I love that. And so you said a lot of really good things going through 
like the notes I'm taking in, in front of my face. And um, I think that this answer will relate to a lot of that um, so well. And so inside of our program, we say that we teach finances in two buckets, right? Um, we teach it in the systems and strategies bucket, which basically addresses things at a behavioral level, right? And then we teach things in what we call we basically we're easy where we call it the internal world is basically how do we address your nervous system around money, right? The belief level, because if you want real consistent results in this life, no matter what we're talking about, you need to address things from a belief level. And when the belief starts to change now, how do we then alter and direct and grow the behaviors? And so we started off just doing the behavior, like just like, hopefully they're coming to us with the right mindset and beliefs. And here's our systems and strategies. And what we found is that we had such good clients coming in the door, very potent, successful with everything they did. And the black and white was like, you should be profiting $2,000 a month. You should be out of credit card debt in six months and you should you know, have your dream house in 12. And that shit wasn't happening. We're like, what is going on? <laughs> like, what is going on? The numbers are saying this, right? And it's because we were trying to address things solely from the belief level uh, or the behavior level, excuse me. And so we all have probably been on workout plans and nutrition plans where we got on those things and we had good results for a couple of months and then we fell off. The problem or why that happened is because those programs most times just address things at a behavioral level, right? But all behaviors are just a direct result of our beliefs, right? And so um, when we can then dive down into our beliefs and understand that our beliefs are just simply results of the wounds and traumas that we have from childhood that have formed themselves into beliefs or subconscious motives that just come out onto the surface as conscious behaviors, right? And so if we want to change the behaviors when people have financial struggles or goals, we start with the belief level. And then now when the beliefs start to come to fruition, start to evolve, grow, we uncover those things, right? So then we're like, okay, we're not just stopping there. Here's the best systems and strategies in the entire world to now be able to help you with the behavioral side of things. So that's kind of the approach that, you know, we take to things and to go back to a point that you said about not wanting more, right? So I'm going to define what we say is financial freedom. And then also uh, basically talk about the three currencies that we teach on. Right. And so first off, there's three currencies, right? Money being the least valuable, right? And so there's three currencies. There's money, time, and energy, right? And so the goal is to sacrifice some time and energy up front to amass a certain amount of money or wealth to then buy back your time and energy, right? So how those three currencies play off of each other, right? And so why do we want to do that is because we want to get to financial freedom, right? Financial freedom is just simply having choice of time and energy, right? And so like you don't have to go to work unless you choose to, right? And you get a little deeper and technical, you establish financial freedom when you own an asset or assets that spend enough money automatically to cover your expenses every single month in full or what we call your NLLs, your necessities, your lifestyles, and your luxuries, which I'll come back to. An asset is just simply something that is money, is making you money or can make you money. Right. And so when you have a coaching business, that is an asset that is a financial freedom vehicle. It is a vehicle that we try to help our clients upgrade from, you know, a busted up 98 Honda Civic to a Ferrari. Right. And so a big tool in being able to utilize that, like if you want your vehicle, your business to run like a Ferrari, you need to put premium gas in the gas tank and not vegetable oil. 
right? And so if you are not handling your finances correctly, you're putting vegetable oil in the gas tank of your coaching and consulting business or business and whatever entrepreneurs are listening to this and expecting it to get best results, right? And so point being is understanding that our businesses are the assets that can create that financial freedom for us, right? And when I say NLLs, necessities, lifestyles, and luxuries, right? We are not the company that's going to tell you to sell your car and scooter to work to save money. We want you to live your life, but in a calculated, controlled, and confident fashion. It is possible to live your life while accomplishing your goals in parallel, right? And then ultimately, we want you to live your dream life, but it is impossible to do so if you don't have your money in control, right? Money is just a tool to get you there, right? And so to kind of date back that, you know, financial freedom is, is really waking up every day to have the freedom of choice and time to do what you want, when you want, how you want to do it. Right. And understanding that that's not from a materialistic standpoint, but from an impact standpoint. So though you have a good situation right now, are you financially free? And if you're not, you're waking up tomorrow morning, doing some shit that you don't want to do. Right. Missing out on opportunities that you could be engaging in. And when you do step into financial freedom, that's no longer your reality. Right. And so it's you're like you said earlier, it's not really about yourself. I tell people, you know, you not managing your money correctly is a very selfish act, whether it's malicious or intentional or not, because the way you manage your money impacts everybody around you, close and distant and future endeavors, right? And so that's kind of how we go about it. It's so much bigger than money, right? But money is so important to get those outcomes that we desire. So many good points. And I took so many notes because when we can kind of create the roadmap in our head of what it's going to take to get there, I feel like it's a whole lot less overwhelming. And you are speaking probably to a lot of creatives who use a different side of our brain. And I think when you can break things down into a visual, you know, like for me, I wrote down money, time and energy. And if taking some time to sacrifice time and energy will create more money, which will then create more assets in your life. Um, that is true financial freedom. And I think many of us think that we have a quote unquote business when we are a service provider. And while you do have a business, that business cannot continue to run if you do not continue to provide the services, which is why creating other assets in your life that are income producing are so important. And, you know, in my younger years, I, I thought, you know, I bought a house that I couldn't quite afford in uh, 2006. So we can imagine how that turned out in 2008 for me. And so getting twisted early on in my early 20s, when I had just come into starting to make money, you know, scared me away from home ownership. It scared me away from that being my main asset. But now in my 40s and having, you know, income coming in in a way, it's like, what what do I want to do with it? Where do I want to put it? And, and creating things, like you said, assets that are going to either make money or make money for you in, in, the, in the sense of paying all the things and then being able to reinvest like that way. I think some people aren't even to that stage yet. They're still in the just getting by uh, middle-class mentality that you mentioned earlier. And so I would beg to argue that that's probably the majority of my listeners for this show are in that arena, because I believe if they are in the beauty industry, there are a select few, a small percentage who are making well over six figures and maybe have already diversified how they're making money, whether it's through online courses or education, not just them behind the chair. Great. That's probably not who I'm speaking to right now. Even then, you have, you have something higher up for them. But if we're speaking to the listener who is still paycheck to paycheck, who still, when it comes to even investing $25 a month for my membership, that is a stretch, right? That's something that they have to nickel and dime every single month and why maybe this podcast is the only free resource that they can 
get to, um, how do we speak to someone who's at that stage where they're like, this sounds great. This sounds exactly like what I might need. I don't even know the first steps to like get myself out of this stuck place and into a place where I have a little bit extra to invest in a course or program like this. Great question. A couple of things come to mind. Um, you know, first, first, I think that sometimes it's so hard to act because act is a behavior because we have beliefs that are unhealthy there. Right. And a lot of times it comes from shame and guilt, either from their past money mistakes or lack of progress. And so the first thing I tell people is like, you've got to drop the shame and guilt, right? You have to make a decision to drop the shame and guilt because it most likely was not your fault. Like I said earlier, and anybody listening here, the situation that you're in right now, whether you like it or not, whether there's a laundry list of mistakes and shame and guilt, it is as natural as this wind blowing out of this window. Like it's all you know. It is all you know. It was all you were taught. You were set up for whatever situation that you're in right now. And so like, I'm here to tell you, it was not your fault. Right. But the other side of that, though, is though your past may have not been your fault, it is damn well your responsibility to step up and take care of your future. Right. And so I think that giving people that mindset, first and foremost, like you got to drop the shame and guilt. Right. But then also, what is a tangible next step? And what we say all the time is that more money isn't the solution. But right? if I dropped 10K on your step right now, it's not going to solve your problems. It's most likely just going to accentuate them. All more money does without the correct management strategies is just create more issues. Right. And so. You know, there's halfway truth to the quote, more money, more problems, or more money, more problems, right? And that is only true when it comes to the person behind it, not knowing how to handle that more money, right? And so my point is, is the key for everybody here, you all have a current situation. The key is to handle your current situation correctly, right? What can you do to better manage the money and situation that you have now? We call it stewardship. So, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian you know, um, you know, I, I, I'm a man of God and that's, you know, the higher power that I look to, but whatever higher power that we believe in, right. Or maybe you think that, you know, the higher power, you know, is, you know, like your dog, like my wife likes to think our dogs around the world, whatever it is that you believe in, right. You have to think about it this way. How in the world are you supposed to expect the higher power that you believe in to bless you with more money when you can't handle your current situation correctly? Right? It's just going to be a recipe for disaster. So we tell people the key right now is stewardship. Whatever you have going on right now, step up and manage it correctly. Because for one, it's all you have, but you really only have two choices. You can either keep going down the path that you're going down that's leading to lesser results or step up and do better, right? And then secondly, too, as well, right? Your situation right now probably isn't as bad as what you think it is, right? And we say that the majority of people's financial stresses and anxieties are subjective. They're non-factual. They're gray area, things that we're making up in our head. Right? And when you step up and steward your situation better, maybe put a budget together, get some guidance, get some mentorship, it provides objectivity to your situation, black and white. Right? And whether you like what the numbers say or not, at least knowing them massively decreases your stress and anxiety. Right? And then as you start to manage your current situation correctly, I can't tell you why or how God does what he does or whatever higher power that we believe in, but it just opens up these doors for us to start receiving more. Right. Like back in the day when it used to rain to be able to handle that rain, we had to dig trenches to handle it. Right. So if you want God to rain down on you blessings, particularly financially, you need to dig your trenches. So when it does pour, you're able to catch those things, you're able to catch those blessings. And how you dig those trenches is stepping up and handling your current situation correctly. Right. And most times people think like I heard you say it earlier, just like actually when we first started. People do out of sight, out of mind things with money. Like I'm just not going to look at it. And they think that that's a form of self-preservation. 
but it's not because you are causing yourself so much more stress and anxiety by ignoring your finances than you would by just stepping up and handling them. And I tell people like, especially when they use the excuse, well, I don't really care about money. It's not that big of a deal. Show me how much you think about something and I'll show you how much you care about it. Right. And most times when you have your money out of sight, out of mind, you are constantly thinking about it, whether you admit it or not. Right. And so that would be my advice for people that are listening in that bucket. Like you have a current situation, right? Let's forgive yourself for the past one and step up and handle the current one correctly. And I promise you doors will fall open. Dominoes will fall. I love that so much. And I love how much you brought like source and God and just like just our belief systems into it, because I truly resonated with every single thing that you said and whether or not somebody um, has that background and thinks like that in that way, it was a very visual, tangible way that you put it. And I do <laughs> digging. I am like a literal, like I'm literally watching you as you did your hand motions with digging the trenches. It's so true. When we hold on to, I always consider it like my hands are full, right? If you hold on to the beliefs that you currently have, you have no room for new beliefs, new thought patterns, new subconscious reprogramming, right? We can, I always joke, we can, I am statement ourselves to death, but if you haven't created the belief to go around with the behavior, like you said earlier, it's not going to resonate your body. You can say, I am good with money. And your, your mind is like, no, nah, you ain't bitch. Like you just spent 500 bucks last week that you didn't have. So it's in this reprogramming and in this belief addressment that you're doing, right? Cause I noticed that too, with coaching early on, um, you know, people always say they want the blueprint or what's your secret or what's, how can I X, Y, Z, right? And I would give people the blueprint, the answer, the X, Y, Z and catch up with them on the next call. And they hadn't used what I gave them. They hadn't implemented it or they'd tried it half-assed once and then applied no pressure behind it, right? There was no sacrifice. There was no time put into it. And, they, and, and we're in this such, we're all guilty of it. This, we want things to happen overnight. We want things to be like automatic, right? It doesn't work that way. If you think about the time that you had to spend getting your MBA, the five, six years that you worked at John Hopkins, in order to establish this pattern of belief in yourself, this ability to realize that you could help help more people, right? It was it was something that took some time. So I love how tough love you just were with that around we are not responsible for what was given to us, but we are responsible for what we do with it at this very moment. So I think if we can all just take a moment of self-love and thank ourselves for getting us to where we are now, whether it's not exactly where you want to be, but you have an option and you have resources. And that is why this podcast exists and why wonderful humans like Justin is on today to share with you that there's not only a blueprint and a framework, but there are support systems behind getting you where you might want to go. And often we can't even see where we can go. We can't even see the opportunities that lie in front of us because we are so oblivious, right? Like some of us are just ignoring what's actually going on. We're not even paying attention to things in our life. Money being one of the big things that I realize people don't pay enough attention to. And you can jump into something like his 12 month program and come out the other side, a completely different human, not just in the realm of money, right? Because imagine if you can just get a handle on your finances, what would that do for your life overall? What would that do for the people in your life? Like you said earlier, for me, the people in my life are Scott, my partner, and my son, and my friends, and my community that I'm building, and this podcast, you know? If I could better resource everyone in my life, myself included, how much better would the world around me become, right? A little bit for myself, but a lot for everybody else, the bigger impacts I can have. So send me the link. I want to sign up. 
I am never a fool to think that I can't learn more. Um, you spoke to me. I think this came at a perfect time because I am leveling up in my life and my business and I am calling in more financial abundance because I know that I can impact more people if I have more resources behind the message I'm trying to get across. So send me the link. We'll put it in the show notes, obviously, for anybody else who wants to go on this journey with me. I would love to lock arms with you and have that support because it is a little intimidating to not have people in your life to talk about this kind of shit with. So I think if that is something that you struggle with, I think a lot of us in the personal development space, the growth mindset, maybe even some of us little wooey, like we don't have a support system. And it's kind of why we're two different people at times, right? It's probably why a lot of you have blocks when it comes to showing up on social media authentically, because you're afraid that what you're thinking and growing into isn't going to resonate with your current friends or family. And I see that to be true for so many people who want to step into the podcast space, but they're afraid that the way they're starting to evolve and think isn't going to land with the people they currently, you know, hang out with. And it's the biggest block for anybody. And it's okay to be the best dressed person in the room. It's okay to be the wealthiest person in your friend group. It's okay to make more money than your parents. It's okay to have extra to be able to become someone to give back at a level that's going to create massive impact. One of my favorite mentors, Chris Harder, who I'm sure you know very well, he says, when good people make good money, they can do great things. And I've even memorized his mission statement, right? Down to the point where most of us are good people and we want to do good things. And the only way you can truly make a difference in the world is if you are in abundance, not just in finance, but in your beliefs around what is possible for you. So if this triggered you, this conversation, I challenge you to lean into that rather than away from it. If you're still listening to this episode, I hope everyone who started this is still listening because no matter where we're at, and I see this with all of my six, seven, eight figure friends in every various stage of mastermind, they come into some sort of financial block around the level or the glass ceiling that they think is possible for themselves. They might look at other people and say, oh yeah, for sure. Of course she can do it. But like, this is kind of where I'm comfortable, or this is probably the max I'll ever be able to grow. And so when you constantly put yourself in conversations that stretch you a little bit, like allow yourself to be the student and come into a space like this saying, I don't know what I don't know. And I'm so excited to be able to learn what my next version is going to look like, because me going through this program is going to be so different than someone else sitting right next to me, learning the same exact things, right? Because we are both coming in with a different foundation of beliefs which have become our behaviors, like you said, which got me into some fucking trouble back in the day. There's unlearning, that needs to, <laughs> yeah, there's unlearning that needs to happen at every level. And like most amazing programs and long containers like this, I imagine that you see such amazing shifts in people as they work through their shit. It's like when I teach breathwork, I'm always like, for one, teaching it's one thing. I never know what's going to come out of someone's mouth because you never know what their experience is going to be. But then also when I receive breath work and I'm on the receiving end and doing it, I literally never know what's going to come up. You know, the prompts can be different that day. I could be a different time of the day, different time of the month for women. So when you allow yourself to see what is possible, that is where the magic starts to happen. And so I'm sure there's not a laundry list of promises that people get when they jump into the program. It's really just come with an open mind. And that's how masterminds are for me. Like, or any coaching program, or really any course that I take. It's the level of which you play to that you will have the results. So we always say, if you're going to do something, play full out. Come willing to show the fuck up and challenge yourself to do the work as best you can. And that's why locking arms with people who have gone before you 
is the fastest way to skip the line and to get ahead, right? That's why we pay people to be our mentors. That's why we pay to be in programs. That's why we pay to have accountability and support. And so you listening to this podcast right now, this is your free resource to tap into this, but it is also your challenge. I'm calling you out because I want some people to lock arms with to to expand. I want to expand with you. I don't want to just be like, hey, watch me go. This is a come with me type of a podcast. And so if you want to come, I'm down. I want to grow the table. I want to create my own table, uh, all the things. Justin, this has been amazing. You really just helped remind me to tap back into some things that I wasn't paying enough attention to, wondering why they weren't growing. Well, I appreciate that a ton. And I'm excited to have a conversation with you about what it looks like to maybe acquire you as a client, but I think you're ready to coach. <laughs> How long that was an interview at the end and you're trying to come on and coach for us, but that was awesome. A lot of things that you just said were so fantastic. And I think just a couple of things I'll leave your audience with is, you know, you said this though, but you, when it comes to money, particularly you need a safe space to grow. And that's the thing is our company got tagged at a $7 million valuation, like just for just trying to see how much it's worth. But for me, I was like, that doesn't even come close to what it's actually worth because you can't put a price tag on the community and culture that we've instilled. We've got 160 plus people that are just super comfortable with talking about money and growing together. And the wealthiest people know that they can maybe get wealthy on their own. Uh, or the wealthy people know they can maybe get wealthy on their own, but the wealthiest people know that the fastest way to get wealthy is to do it with other people and support other people on the way there. And I think, you know, another very fast track way to getting to your wealth faster, though it is a process, though there's no immediate gratification, is understanding something called unique variables, right? It's a big issue with the financial industry. There's a lot of blanket and general advice out there. We're like, you're listening to some dude on YouTube, and you're like, well, he's 65 years old, retired, and both of his kids are out of the house, giving me this advice. I'm 40, I own a salon, and I got two kids living in my house. How does that make sense, right? And to get best results with your finances, you need a safe space, and then secondly, People that are able to understand your unique variables and create a custom and personalized strategy and solution to your finances. Because what you do for your finances may not be best for me, may not be best for other people because of our unique variables. Right? And then lastly, too, as well, like the majority of financial stresses and anxieties that you are carrying around right now are unnecessary. Right? Most people don't have, for the business owners on here, you don't have business problems. You have personal problems leaking into the business. And most times those personal problems are financial ones that are showing up into your business and creating issues, right? And so I just appreciate everything that you said. Everything that you said in like that last three minutes right there was so, so, so spot on, right? And at the end of the day, I could care less about money itself. What I care about is the mass amounts of decreased stress and anxiety and opportunities it's going to provide for you and your family. That's the true essence of it. Honestly, and you said something I can't even probably get you to repeat it, but you know, it was around the your your business problems come from your personal life. And I hear so often like people want to keep business and personal separate and I'm like, you just can't. Business is personal. And if you work in the coaching space, if you work in the beauty industry, if you work in any service-based industry, it's personal as fuck. It's personal as fuck. So if you try to ignore your own personal needs and your own personal growth, you will only be able to serve at the level you're stuck at. And so I find that to be true for myself. That's why I'm always looking to be around people who are playing big, who are having conversations that I don't really quite understand what they're talking about. Gone are the days where I'm unwilling to be the dumbest one in the room. Like I am like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Can I just listen? Right. And so I'll listen to podcasts that intimidate me. I'll follow people who trigger me a little bit, you know, in a, in a way that gets me thinking, not in a way that makes me feel bad about myself, but you know, these type of conversations are so true. And I think the number one cause, you nailed it, around stress and anxiety and even depression is lack of financial resources. 
lack of financial literacy. It is the number one thing that keeps people exactly where they are. And so if you are someone who is a growth mindset person, once again, nobody really wants to stay right where they are in their comfy, cozy shit sandwich. Like we all have a growth mindset deep down. We all want to better ourselves. We all want better for our families, better for our communities, whatever that might look like. But sometimes you can't think even about your family or your community because you're stuck in your own head dealing with your own shit. So yeah, I'd love to entertain what it looks like to become a coach in your space too, because I would like (laughs) talking about finances and helping more people unlock this piece for them so that when it comes to investing in yourself for future, you know, ideas, whether it's jumping in the podcast course and starting your damn podcast or going into someone's program or joining a retreat, your number one excuse isn't that you can't afford it, right? That should be the last thing that you're doing. Maybe it's not for you, but you could afford it. So I think that's my driving force behind um, wanting to come into financial abundance for myself is to always be able to say yes to opportunities as they're presented. And if anything tragic were to happen, I never want to not be able to write a $10,000 check if my dog is sick or something like that also drives me. So I feel like you have to have a carrot in your life as to what extra resources in your life would look like. Maybe it's a fancy car. Maybe it's buying your parents a house. Maybe it's putting your kids in private school. Maybe it's just getting the fuck out of debt. Whatever that looks like for you, I want you to sit with that after this podcast episode. And I really want you to write down what beliefs come up around that feeling that you don't need that thing or that you really, mm, you'll be okay if you can't provide that for your family or if you can't give it to yourself. What beliefs have kept you stuck and in the same situation that you're currently in, right? Because 10 out of 10, we want more. 10 out of 10, you want more than you currently have. And we are here to remind you that that is okay. You are worthy of as much abundance in your life as you want. And whether no one in your circle understands that, we understand that. So you at least got us two on your team. I know Justin has a whole team behind his badass, big-ass business who is helping people become more financially literate and make some massive changes in their life. So if you love this episode, please share it with somebody who else could be inspired to join with us or at least learn some takeaways to get real and honest with where you're at in your life. Um, I know you got some great resources we can leave in the show notes for everybody if they want to just like dive into some things before committing to say a program. But I know if you just go follow Justin on Instagram, you can deep dive and rabbit hole and binge watch all of his amazing free content on there. He speaks to all of this daily. So go follow him. Um, Thank you, Justin, for your time today and for just re-reminding me what I also need to refocus on. And I'm sure our guests are going to love this and want more of you. So we'll be sure to record another episode in the future. I love this. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And where can people find you? Is it social media that that you hang out the most? Yeah, Instagram is great. So we can put it in the show notes, but Justin underscore Guanamo. Message me. It is me who responds. I'll voice message you to prove that I don't have a VA or a team member respond to you. I want to connect with you directly. I love this stuff and I love being able to help people through it. And so I'm available to you on there and looking forward to connecting. Awesome. And we'll see you guys on the next episode of Unscripted. Creating this podcast is as much fun as it sounds. And it's not hard. You're worthy of sharing your expertise with the world. So I've broken it down so you can start your own damn podcast in four weeks or less. Head to the link in the show notes to start now.